Hey, 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 welcome to the Deconstructing Bush podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, aka Beulah Marie. Um, today we're going to talk about the new single, the upcoming Greatest Hits album, the recently announced tour, um, tomorrow night's show at Irving Plaza, just a lot of stuff. Um, primarily, though, the new song, um, Nowhere to Go But everywhere. It came out yesterday, um, which was September 20th. Uh, Yesterday, Gavin Rossdale was also on Good Morning America talking about the greatest hits album that's coming out in November, as well as uh, Friday night's show at Irving Plaza in New York City, which benefits Artists for Action, um, which is a nonprofit dedicated to getting discussions started about gun safety, gun control, mental health, and all of that. So uh, I'm going to that. I'm very excited about it. Um, It's been interesting um, because when I booked the trip, I was going to go work at my company's headquarters for a little bit on Friday. On Saturday, I was going to go on this little whale-watching excursion with this company called Sea Streak. Well, it turns out my whale watching boat trip got canceled because of the potential for inclement weather. And I am not going to be working at my company's headquarters tomorrow because I decided to take the day off. Um, So I might still visit and have lunch with somebody. I'm not quite sure. So then I was like, well, I want to extend this trip a little bit. Maybe instead of hanging out all day Saturday now with nothing to do because my whale watching thing's not happening maybe before the show tomorrow night, I'll, I'll find something to do. Um, don't know what that's going to look like, but I was like, maybe I should go in today, like go in Thursday, still fly out Saturday just to kind of maximize my time in the city because I love New York. So I was going to go today. I got tickets to this discussion at the library, um, regarding kind of like how you address and talk about and write about things like climate change and other you know, crisis situations in fiction writing. So I thought that would be really interesting. I was going to go to the New York Public Library, maybe treat myself to like, I don't know, a fancy dinner at Balthazar or Cipriani or, um, you know, one of these kind of new up and coming places that we're um, hearing a lot about and seeing a lot about. But I am not able to fly into New York today after all could not find a flight that really worked out. Um, The hotel I'm staying at was not able to um, give me a room today. I could have extended my trip and stayed overnight Saturday, but they weren't able to accommodate me today. So just wasn't working out. So I'm not going today. I'm not going to the library event. I am flying in tomorrow morning um, and doing the VIP meet and greet and all of that. Uh, for the Irving Plaza show tomorrow. I'm super excited. Um, I'm just going to be maybe roaming aimlessly in Soho and Union Square and that whole area tomorrow uh, throughout the day. Maybe I'll treat myself to some coffee or lunch, get some writing work done. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. But the reason I say all of this is I love meeting up with fellow fans, fellow members of the Bush Army. so if you're going to New York to see the show, um, you want to grab a coffee or a drink before or after, meet for lunch, 
um, I'll be around all day Friday, all day Saturday. Um, so just hit me up. Um, like I said, I'd be happy to kind of meet up and chat, say hello at the show. If you see me, please say hello. Um, I love meeting other Bush fans. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited, disappointed about the whale watching, disappointed about the library event, but you know what? What's meant to be is meant to be, and I'll fly out bright and early tomorrow. I have to be at the airport at like 4 a.m. So, all right, I'm 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 very excited. In case you can't tell, uh, don't know what I'm wearing yet. I know a lot of you get me. You feel me there. It's always a decision. At a concert, you like want to be comfortable, but it's also like a benefit, and it's in New York, and it's, you know, Friday night. Like, I feel like I want to get a little bit dolled up. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll also see how awkward I am at the meet and greet. I know it's kind of weird to like continually do meet and greets, but they're fun. And I always like kind of the merch, like the little VIP swag you get with it and the photo op, of course. And this time I actually do have something I want to tell Gavin. So hopefully my brain will not like short circuit. Um, just given like, I don't know. I've talked about this before. It's not really nerves about the guys. Like it's not really about them. It's more kind of anxiety surrounding the rushed nature of it, right? Um, so we'll see. Anyway, I, I can tell this is going to be a long episode. I may talk a lot, but I swear I have some points to make. I have some observations about, you know, the the new single and everything. I'm excited. So bear with me. Um, yeah, so I yesterday morning when the single came out, again, I'm referring to the new single, Nowhere to Go But Everywhere by Bush. I did an initial kind of gut reaction review slash brain dump uh, on my Instagram. It was like a 10 minute long Instagram live, you know, so I pinned it to my feed. I pinned it to my reels if you want to watch it um, after the fact. In today's episode, I'll cover some of that, but expand on some of it a little bit more. I'm going to do a little bit of a deeper dive. Like I said, I'm excited about it. The literary nerd in me um, has a lot to say today. And if you didn't believe that I am a literary nerd, um, I think I just proved it to you by telling you that I was excited to go to an event at the New York Public Library. (laughs) Um, And side note, one of my favorite bars in New York City is literary themed as well. So that's like a very big thing in my life. Um, but yeah, the timing of this song also was absolutely perfectly timed with my life personally and my personal like existential crisis that I've had going on about turning 40 next week. Um, I know some of you are probably sick of hearing about that. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts and feelings, um, and it's for a lot of reasons. Uh, maybe I'll share some of it, maybe not, but I want to just kind of get started here talking about the reason we're all here, which is Bush. And um, yeah, the new single, Nowhere to Go But Everywhere, uh, is part of their forthcoming greatest hits album, which is called Loaded. Uh, It comes out in November. I do not want to type in your ear to Google it. So off the cuff, I think it comes out either November 10th or November 20th. I don't know, but you can pre-order it on their website. on their website, there's like a vinyl um, edition and a CD. You can also like pre-save it on Spotify and whatnot. Um, I know with like the upcoming tour that's also been announced, 
uh, which is like a fall winter tour. I think it's also called the nowhere to go, but everywhere tour. Um, I might be misspeaking, but I believe that's what it's called. They just announced a bunch of dates. The VIP package with that, I think if I read correctly, has a signed vinyl. Um, so I'm excited about that for that. Um, they're coming to Pittsburgh. Super, super stoked. Um, I've been like begging them to come back and do a Pittsburgh show because the last time, last couple times they were here, of course I went and saw them. I loved it. They weren't my favorite venues though. Like the one was at the Meadows Casino, which is no shade, but it's not a great venue. And then my absolute least favorite venue, the amphitheater at Star Lake. Um, just, I mean, hey, I don't mind an outdoor like amphitheater show. It just that venue is like the bane of my existence. Um, there's been times for as much as I love going to concerts that I have skipped concerts simply because they are at that venue. Um, so I've been hoping that Bush would come back and do stage AE or like a smaller venue, like a more intimate show, like an undersell, like um, the Roxy in theater or something. So they are coming to stage AE. I'm very excited. It's super close to where I live. Um, so so happy i had to of course get side stage for that one um i was a little torn about it though because i know people going that i like want to hang out with but i'm gonna make it work i'm gonna do the side stage vip for pittsburgh and i'm also gonna meet up with some friends in general admission so very excited um yeah so what was i talking about oh yeah i i'm excited because part of that vip package uh, i think all levels of the vip package for that one have assigned vinyl of the new greatest hits album as well um so yeah i'm very grateful that there's going to be a pittsburgh show very grateful to get to go to the irving plaza show tomorrow um some of you messaged me to ask if i'm gonna do the hershey pennsylvania show i'll be honest probably not um just because of my wallet and my budget and just time you know having time i always am super busy so i'm gonna say probably not to be honest with you but you never know um i've just had a lot of concerts and trips this past year and like i said busy with work and personal things um but i'll definitely see it in new york and pittsburgh never say never about hershey though you never know uh at any rate the new single is awesome it's a banger it's lambs it slays whatever you want to say, a personal favorite term that I use in many situations that's stupid and dorky and totally made up is hopping and bopping. <laughs> so I'll say the new single is hopping and bopping. Um, yeah. Uh, so like I said, Gavin was actually on Gorm Gorm Good Morning America yesterday, GMA Hour 3, to kind of talk about uh, the new single and the, the show and everything. Fun little anecdote, I've randomly been on some TV shows in my day and or in TV studios. And anyway, one time I was in New York, um, I go there a lot and my mom and I got to hang out with this, it's a long, long story, but this cameraman for Good Morning America in the studio, his name was Eddie. We kept in touch for a while after that. Um, we just like made friends with him. Uh, at any rate, it was one of Robin Roberts' first shows back. Um, Steve Carell and Tony Braxton were there. Um, and uh, interestingly, so I was in studio for that, which was one of Robin Roberts' first shows back. And that was in like maybe 2013-ish, I can't recall. And then in 2011, I was actually in studio for one of Oprah's last ever shows. So one of her last shows. Um, literally went to the movies with Johnny Depp. 
like i'm not kidding um it was after the show the, the whole audience went it wasn't like a date with me and johnny depp <laughs> but i i always do that for the two truths and a lie icebreaker i always have some really wild ones um and i don't know like hey i went to the movies with johnny depp um but yeah uh, during the show jessica simpson was there disney gave stuff away so mickey and minnie mouse and donald duck were there um and my favorite part personally was lady gaga came out and performed uh like two rows in front of me her song born this way so anyway i shared a throwback photo of that of me and my mom in the good morning america studio in honor of gavin being on gma yesterday i had like super dark almost black hair and real thick bangs i don't think i look like me and i'm not loving that photo of myself but hey it was a decade ago um my hair is usually blonde like for most of my life so it's definitely a time capsule kind of photo like a moment in time um so i did share that and i do realize i'm rambling so let's get into the song um i love the pink color uh associated with this cover with the cover of the album and the vinyl and stuff it's like a fuchsia-ish pink hot pink purpley pink kind of thing um one of my favorite shades of pink and i'm def definitely like a pink girl to begin with so i love that um so when we think about the single okay um nowhere to go but everywhere and i feel like every time that i say the name of this i'm gonna have to pause and make sure i'm saying it correctly because i don't know my brain like just i don't know but yeah um so i think that title and that line is obviously in the chorus in the song i think it could be a nod to jack kerouac I, I don't know for sure but from on the road when i was doing my live yesterday the video that was l like nagging me you know that there was this bit of familiarity of the title um and you know this is kind of like random but i have a copy of um a piano player by kurt vonnegut uh in my office and so in my mind, there's certain writers and poets like Kerouac and Vonnegut, Hemingway, Steinbeck, even Bukowski, Ginsburg, they all get like mishmashed in my brain kind of. And so when I, when I saw the book, um, you know, it, even though it was Vonnegut, it dawned on me when I had been thinking that the nowhere to go, but everywhere sounded a bit familiar, it dawned on me like, oh okay i feel like that song title could be a quote from one of them or a title of something from one of them and so a quick google search proved me right kerouac is obviously like a huge influence on a lot of artists and writers from patty smith and bob dylan tom waits uh even like john lennon um i honestly feel like i've heard either taylor swift or harry styles reference him uh i want to say chris stapleton as well but yeah super influential um, and, um, I think a lot of artists like to kind of pay homage to people they respect or whose work influenced them in one way or another. Um, it's funny cause in high school I was in these like honors and AP classes. I was a gifted student or whatever. And I was always a writer at heart and a voracious reader, but I sometimes oftentimes hated reading a lot of the authors and poets that I just referenced, like. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like a rebellious thing that because it was assigned to me, I didn't want to explore it. Or if at the time I maybe couldn't relate to it and found it to be boring. I don't know. It wasn't till really like college 
which is so cliche. But honestly, it really wasn't until college that I got super interested uh, in some of those writers and got interested in like spoken word and beat poetry. And um, it's because I, I like wrote for this literary journal and um, this um, kind of anthology of poems. It kind of opened my, my eyes to a lot of stuff. And then my formal like study of music for a period of time in college as well as you know primarily studying literature it it reintroduced me to a lot of these folks and the older i got um you know the more i like appreciated it and understood it a little bit more so anyway whether or not it was intentional if gavin was referencing or paying homage or using a quote from on the road like that tracks um it totally makes sense for a rock star, like essentially that's what the the story's about, um, kind of traversing the country in this sort of artsy bohemian lifestyle in search of some special kind of magic, you know? And I don't mean magic like Harry Potter. I mean, um, I kind of mean magic from the more hippy-dippy woo-woo sense, right? Like a, a spark, um, something more spiritual, like connection, energy, whatever. Um, and, and ultimately, my read, the book, uh, the, you know, um, when we're thinking about Kerouac's uh, On the Road, like it's, I kind of think partially about sort of searching for oneself um, for a deeper, more spiritual, more meaningful connection to the world at large. Um, so when the song, the the new Bush song talks about you know, it says, I wish I knew myself better. I wish I knew myself more. Well, the main character in On the Road, Sal, uh, like, I mean, he literally could be saying that. That could be what he would be saying or thinking. Um, so the light bulb moment of me making this connection, this potential connection, I don't know. I don't want to assume. But I'm just saying my interpretation, like me making this connection between this song and that story from Kerouac, like made me consider the work as a whole, right? Um meaning on the road. So that is freeform prose, which again, that's my jam. A lot of the poetry I write is kind of that more freeform style of prose. I'm not like always a rhymey, rhyming person. Um, but anyway, it made me want to read through some other qu quotes from on the road. And like, some of them are just beautiful. Um, uh, one was, the air was soft, the stars so fine, the promise of every cobbled alley so great that I thought I was in a dream. And of course, I love this because you all know that I love any allusion to stars, the night sky, dreams, um, also any analogy or symbolism involving water, uh, you know, so that's part of why I'm, at least in part, why I'm drawn to Gavin's lyrics. Something interesting is like, there are a few times uh, in On the Road where nowhere to go is referenced, right? Um, so one is this uh the quote is here i was at the end of america no more land and nowhere to go but back um this is poignant when we take a look at bush lyrics because literally like i don't know when we think about the end of america and no more land like wow those are those are pretty current and timely things to consider right it's heavy it's deep um you know when we think about environmental concerns climate change and so on the idea of no more land is scary and it's like a real concept to worry about um, in the end of America. Well, I think we all know that there are some major issues and problems going on here um, in the end of the American dream or what America used to be. That's something that's hotly contested and discussed and regularly 
um, debated. So it's really timely. Um, and I, I know that like Bush, like, you know, Gavin's talked about things like climate change and political unrest and things in society. So like, to me, those align and like parallel one another. Um, so maybe that's why Gavin chose to use this, uh, if he consciously did chose to use this line, um, you know, but it probably has multiple meanings like so many songs and lyrics do. Another spot where uh, Kerouac uses that phrase, um, I'm not rereading the whole thing, <laughs> I'm not rereading on the road to pull quotes out, but just in doing like a cursory search, uh, further expanding, uh, you know, there's a quote that says, there was nowhere to go but everywhere. So just keep rolling under the stars. Just keep on rolling under the stars. Gorgeous, right? I picture this expanse of stars. It feels so pretty and poetic. Again, the imagery and on the road is so fitting with Bush's like entire catalog. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in any negative way. I think it's amazing. Like I uh, love looking for connections, right? Um, and influences and themes and the way art and artists and genres and mediums can all overlap and intersect and uh, play uh, into one another and play against one another, right? Um, but I mean, honestly, like if you look at Bush's whole discography and then consider all the songs collectively, lyrically, like just from a lyrical perspective, there are, in my opinion, stories being told, parallels being drawn, webs being woven, themes being tied together, threads intertwining throughout all of these little motifs and references and commonalities and symbols, right? And I just, I love that cohesion. I love that every song and every lyric is unique in and of itself, but it's cohesive to the the, the greater uh, body of work, right? And I love that Bush's lyrics and the way Gavin writes feels cohesive like that, meaning what I just said, it all is aligned. It's it's in tune with each other. It's in sync with each other. There's these parallels and connections. And at the same time, his unique, specific DNA is in it. His stamp is on it, like his personality and just, yeah, um, it's something unique in and of itself that could stand alone, you know? Um, and I said that too with like the Sea of Sound manifesto and branding and products. Like, his DNA's in it, right? Um, even though sonically, you know, like a lot of Bush songs have evolved or changed musically, um, there's been touches of, you know, heavier sound, more hard rock, um, some post-grudge, industrial, alternative, acoustic here and there, all of that. But despite all that, there's the through line that it's rock. And within that space of rock, you can tell that it's Bush. And then lyrically, there's also that through line that's Gavin and his specific unique writing style and his literary and artistic influences that are creatively really showing up in meaningful ways in his lyrics, right? Maybe it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kind of like subtle, nuanced reference. Maybe it's a direct quote or direct homage that's being paid to pay respect and show appreciation for another artist, another creator, or someone or something that's influenced him. Maybe it's subliminal, right? Like, um, because we all absorb everything that we're reading, watching, listening to, taking in, because maybe he read some of these people um, and 
absorbed it and you know what we consume in terms of art and media, literature, music, social media, you know, it all kind of shapes us and helps to shape our perspective and our worldview, our thoughts, our eye, our aesthetic, you know, and it also then comes out in what we create. So sometimes it's through like osmosis almost, like we soak up and release, right? And to me, that's something beautiful to be impacted or influenced by a person, place, thing, um, a feeling, uh, an experience, and then to have that inspire you and then create something beautiful or cool or interesting or unique out of it that's all your own, that's all you, that then in turn goes on to inspire others in the same way. I love that. It's like a circle of life, but from a creative perspective, right? It's really cool. Um, and I think it's crucial. Uh, it's crucial to art and creativity and imagination and kind of just the the cultural zeitgeist and all of that. Um, and I say crucial because that's something that like AI or a chatbot can't replicate. It, at least as of now, right? So far, it can't replicate the um, just the subtleties that go along with that process of kind of taking in and then interpreting and then putting your own emotions, personality, experiences, traumas, perspective into it, and then spitting it back out in a way that's relatable and digestible to others and has that emotion and that imperfection and that human touch um, and that authenticity to it. There's a genuine nature behind it. There's something organic and natural and meaningful that happens when you find a spark either because you're inspired by somebody else or maybe you're, it's just within you, right? You're finding that spark that little nugget, the little grain of something, and you're turning it into something that other people can appreciate, relate to, enjoy, and in turn be inspired by. Like, that's cool. And that, I'm, I'm rambling, but I, I love, I just, I love that idea, right? Um, and I've heard Gavin say before, and not just him, but like most music artists and most writers, that you really never know who your work is impacting, right? Um, it's cool too to see um, something you made, do, say, write, whatever, that in some way impacts somebody in a positive way or in a meaningful way. And you never know how or when or if that's going to happen. And you might think you have something real deep and meaningful to say or write or whatever. And then the thing that landed with people and the thing that people latch onto or like, you know, really take to heart or are inspired by or whatever, like impressed by, it's sometimes something totally different than like what you thought or what you intended. And that's cool, you know? So I love that. And I do, I say that a lot, right? I always say, I love that. I love that. I love this. I love that. I love it. I love that so much. Here's the thing I do because <laughs> I love words. I love creativity. I love storytelling. I love music. Um, and I love people that are imaginative, right? And I really love Bush. I can't help it. I get excited. I get excited about a lot of things. I'm like a nerdy, excitable, passionate person. 
But while I do admittedly go around saying everything is cute, because I do think a lot of things are just cute, I can't help it, I don't go around saying I love everything. I just happen to on this podcast and like in my Instagram live and Instagram posts, because when it comes to Bush, I do. I love this band. I love their music. I love Gavin's words. Sometimes I read or hear something he's written or said, and I'm like, how is this man in my head? Like, how is he like inside my brain? He's welcome to stay there. (laughs) But like, you know what I'm saying? It's wild to me how much I can relate. Um, Regardless of if the way I relate was the intention or not, because he could have intended something totally differently and we all receive it in our own way. Um, Of course, other writers, other musicians speak to me. There's lots of things I can relate to. But sometimes like there will be a song, a lyric, something somebody has written that I'm just like, whoa, is this person like spying on me? Are they in my head? Are they in my soul? Are they like inside my brain? Because that's exactly how I think or feel or what I've experienced myself, you know? And that relatability is something that has always appealed to me about Gavin, about Bush. Um, You know, it's something very special that you can't bottle up and you can't learn and it's hard to describe or articulate. And that is as a writer, and I'm very much imagine as a performer or anyone in the public eye, celebrity, whatever, it's very hard to make people feel like you see them, like you value them, like you can relate to each other, like there's a connection there, like you get what they're going through, right? That empathy piece and that authenticity piece and that I don't know what it is, but whatever that thing is, I think Gavin has captured it and is masterful at it. When I say it, that's what I mean is like making fans, listeners, audience members, readers, whatever, making them feel like he is speaking to them directly or at the very least, like he gets them, he understands them and they can relate to him and he can relate to them and vice versa that thing a lot of people can write lyrics write a song write a poem write a book whatever but that thing that's something that's hard to quantify or define but i think he has it in spades and i think collectively bush as a band they have it in spades because when they're up there performing um you know there's some kind of connection there there is something that makes people in the crowd feel like they are seen. And there's a kindness too, right? Like you, if you do a meet and greet or interact with one of them on social media, you feel like almost like they, that someone that, hey, they see me, they, they know me. I know that like I can talk to that person. I can say hello and you know what I mean? There's, um, there's some kind of thing that is stripped away, some kind of like um, artifice or airs, pretentiousness, that's intimidating, that's stripped away with them. And that's very, very cool. And it's a special thing to be able to connect with people on that level, or at least make them feel like you're connecting with them on that level. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, um, my point to say in that is like, sometimes I hear something or read something and I'm just like, ah, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Um, 
And that's how I felt about this song. Like personally, uh, you know, if we want to talk about broader interpretation and themes, like as I mentioned in my live video yesterday, I think this song in part, um, again, you can interpret it in many ways, is about kind of like getting older, maturing, reflecting back on one's life. Uh, It's contemplative um, and introspective in nature, but in a way that is also universal and relatable. It's the universal part of it that's like, that's cool that it feels personal and introspective and like really contemplating and taking stock of your life. But there's this universality, universality, I don't know how to say that word. There's a universal nature to it where that's a collective thing that like a lot of people experience, right? Um, And it's not necessarily looking back with regret, but maybe just wishing you'd known yourself more or better or wondering what things might have been different if you had, right? There's like a dichotomy uh, in this song from my perspective, both an urgency and a contentment, right? Um, Maybe being content with where you are, but urgently trying to truly live each moment, to be present in each moment, to grab all of the blessings and moments and memories and experiences while you still can, to make the impact while you still can, to strive towards as many goals while you still can, to work on your legacy while you still can. So there's there's a contentment and a gratitude, but an urgency too. Maybe feeling good about where you are, but definitely not ready to quit, to give up. Um, and when you're looking backwards, it's um, the way I feel when I listen to the song about looking backwards is it's done so fondly. Maybe not fondly, but not coming from a place of self-loathing where you're judging yourself or judging your your choices or experiences of the past, right? It's not like sad necessarily. Um, but it's still, it's harder getting older. Um, sometimes it's hard getting to know yourself. That can be tough. That can all feel like an uphill battle or swimming upstream. Life continues to throw a lot of against us, you know, b- both as individuals and collectively. Uh, when we hear the line in the song about um, it's something about like swimming upstream or something or swimming in, against the current or the tides, um, I think of the Finding Nemo quote, just keep swimming. To be transparent, I'm not that familiar with that movie. I've probably seen it once or twice in my life, maybe, um, but I can't really recall. But I, I am familiar with that quote, um, just keep swimming, because sometimes that's all we can do when the seas are rough and we have to wave, wade through, you know, lies and manipulation and ulterior motives and dishonesty and challenges and problems, it's up to us to keep going because this ain't a trial run. You know, we've got this one life to live. So yeah, I feel like there's both a sense of peace and contentment to this song and also a wildness and an urgency. It's like an anthem. We're not done yet. We're growing up, we're getting older, but we're not done. Don't count us out. And when I say us, again, maybe this is individual for each of us, but also maybe just collectively as humans. Because humans, we have a lot to fight for. This isn't a game. This isn't a test. Um, He says, like, know your rights. So I think that's important too. Like, know your rights, know your heart, know the truth, know yourself. Saddle in and buckle up because, like, the world isn't going to stop and wait for anybody. I think of the idea of like, hurry up and wait. So many of us do that in life. Rush, rush, rush. Busy, busy, busy. Only to ultimately be met with the same outcome as everybody, which is 
sorry to say it, it's death, right? Impermanence. And that's what he sings about in this song is impermanence. And that's another universal thing, that idea of impermanence, right? One other thing that I talked about in my live chat was that I have some mixed feelings and bittersweet emotions heading into my 40th birthday that's coming up in about a week. People tease and joke about it, but I do have a lot of anxiety over it. Um, I make little jokes about an existential crisis or midlife crisis, but it's really not a laughing matter. Like, it's been tough, um, and I'm not over here like sad about turning 40 because pop culture told me to be and because there's the over the hill jokes and all of that. And it's not because of some wrinkles or cellulite or loose skin or fine lines or stray gray hairs or anything like that. Um, it makes me sad that the hourglass is running out, right? And I'm a little anxious and stressed and conflicted about turning 40 because I'm in a contemplative moment myself where I'm calm contemplating and reflecting back and taking stock of my life and what I've accomplished and achieved, what goals I've set out to meet and have actually met or not, what I have contributed to society and this world and my loved ones. Have I lived up to my potential? Am I living my truth? Am I in alignment with who I am and who I'm meant to be? Can I reasonably still make an impact on this world or leave any kind of legacy behind or is it too late? right? Um, and in my own personal reflections, I don't always love the answer, you know? So some of these questions, if I'm being honest with myself, um, are, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, I am honest with myself and that's where the struggle comes in. You know, I know myself perhaps too well, right? And I know I'm capable of more, but I can't shake the feeling that in some ways, it could be too late for certain things. And mostly this is about purpose, career, all of that, you know. Um, but I've also questioned before the decision to not have kids, even though I'm like 95% sure that's the right choice for me. Like, you know, that comes into play the whole biological clock. But for me, it's a lot about wasted potential and my career path and like if I'm living my truth. Am I living in a way that's aligned with who I am? You know, I just worry. Like maybe it is too late. I can't shake that feeling. Maybe I'm too old for certain things, that my time for certain things has passed. And don't get me wrong, I have a wonderful life. I am very thankful, very blessed, very lucky. I am so, so grateful, you know, um, truly. And I try not to have regrets, but it still does nag at me at times. Like, what is my purpose? Am I doing what I'm meant to be doing? And so on. Like in the song, um, it feels both like contemplation and contentment and urgency all at once. It feels like age 40, a timer or a stopwatch or something starts ticking or a countdown or something. And that scares me. That scares me, you know? And maybe that feeling's a little bit universal too. And people just don't talk about it. I don't know. And I know that's morbid, but that's just the way it feels for me. And I have accomplished a lot in my life, um, personally and professionally. Um, I know that. But like, I think about what have I done that's lasting, meaningful, true to me, that aligns with my purpose and my passion. These are the questions on my mind. So admittedly, when I heard this song, um, <laughs> for the first time, I did cry a little bit. Maybe not just a little bit, maybe a lot, you know? I mean, I always tear up easily, but this was more. I mean, I was 
sobbing. <laughs> I was really crying. It was just that the song resonated with me so much. The timing of it felt so um, serendipitous. Uh, the song says, I wish I knew myself better. Um, I mean, same here in a way. Like, as I said, I actually do know myself now, I think. Um, I'm pretty self-aware. I'm pretty introspective. Maybe I know myself too well, you know, but that's kind of one of my only regrets. I, I do wish I knew myself better when I was younger. And I wonder what difference that might have made with certain things, right? The part where he says, I've been looking for a starter kit, finding ways to keep it lit. Know your rights. It's not a game. Flesh and blood on the interstate. There's a lot to potentially unpack in that little, you know, first verse there. Um, and keep it lit could be keep it cool, you know, stay, staying cool, staying current, staying up on things. Um, or it could also be about keeping that spark lit, keeping that fire burning in your belly, you know, keeping your passion alive. So either way, I think it could go either way there. Um, and I do feel like this song is both about an individual and us collectively as a society, you know, and the part about looking for a starter kit, like same, you know, I wish I had a guidebook or a roadmap to life sometimes or a starter kit for this next phase of my life as I approach my 40s. Um, and, uh, you know, I had mixed feelings about whether or not it was going to go line by line for this song versus talking about themes, but I am going to read through them. Okay. So the chorus, I was so much younger than thought life would never end. I was so much younger than me and all my friends, impermanence, impermanence. I love this. Um, you know, when you're young, you think you're invincible, right? Um, like I said, the overall universal nature of this sentiment um, is prudent and it's meaningful, right? There's a wistfulness. And I think sometimes wistfulness and wisdom can coexist. They often coexist, right? Um, there's, uh, you know, just that looking back piece, nostalgia, um, looking back with fondness. Now, what I love about this from a marketing perspective, and hey, I don't know if marketing's the word, maybe marketability, right? Because I doubt Gavin wrote this with marketing specifically in mind. But as someone myself who dabbles in PR, who has worked in marketing, um, I will say like sometimes the person makes the thing or does the thing and it isn't necessarily with the intent to market it or f with that lens on, but there's an innate marketability nonetheless. Um, and when that happens, when you're in press PR marketing, it's like, yes, bingo, jackpot, because it just works. I say this in relation to this song specifically. Think about it. Bush came out in what, like 1994, I think, uh, give or take. And I believe that, or at least it seems like I'm probably one of the younger fans, um, at least younger longtime fans, um, because I was only in like fourth or fifth grade, I think, when 16 Stone dropped. It was one of the first albums I ever got. Um and I was kind of like, I guess, ahead of my peers when it came to listening to and buying music and going to concerts and all of that. But I was young, right? So at any rate, let's just say um, when that first album came out, you have people who were like in elementary school or middle school like myself, then also people in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on. And especially that bracket of people, that demographic who were teens and 20s during that time, you, you've got a built-in audience of fans um, 
who really grew up with this band in a way and especially absorbed their music and their work during their own formative years. So you have this whole audience of fans who are at different life stages, different stages of life, many of whom are probably in a time of change or transition, right? Maybe getting older, maybe watching their parents and friends and kids get older their pets get older, you know, and so on. So everyone relates to growing up, aging, and so on, and and seeing your peers and parents and stuff do the same. But a lyric like, I was so much younger then, you know, that's going to resonate with, I think, Bush's core audience and like core fan base. You know what I'm saying? Um, That's not going to hit home as much for a current teen, tween, or 20-something. The way that it hits home for those of us with a gray hair or a few, you know, we relate to it different. It hits us right in the feels in a very different way. Those are the people more often probably going to shows, buying the album and who have been like ride or die fans for a long time. So the idea of thinking about singing that part and singing me and all my friends, it's such a moment, you know, what a moment. Just think about that live. The whole audience singing that, right? Your favorite rock stars on stage singing about something you relate to so personally and deeply, and you maybe feel like you're one of those friends he's talking about. It just works. Now, there's also another great aspect of marketability to this song. The TikTok generation, if you want to call them that, could very easily latch onto this chorus. I can see it being used for sentimental like montages, right? Like a soundtrack in a movie or a TV show or like a graduation video or something to that effect. Nostalgia is like very big right now. Um, It's very trending and trendy, right? So like middle or high school or college kids could use it for that type of thing or people who produce shows or movies could use it for that type of thing. Like when I was in high school, Green Day's song, Good Riddance, and Vitamin C's song, Friends Forever, the graduation song, um, and Closing Time by Semisonic, and actually even Come Down by Bush, depending on the scenario, those all kind of tugged at our heartstrings and sentiments, um, you know, real sentimental in a way. Um, And even as young people, we would, you know, relate to those feelings of, you know, just sentimental feelings, nostalgia, hitting your rate in the feels as you approach milestones in life, graduation and such. Um, And we would use those types of songs when we made little videos or slideshows or that type of thing. I think every generation has songs like that. So, you know, in that respect, it could work for younger generations right now too. You know what I mean? But still, it definitely works for those of us who have been longtime fans or folks who might be newer fans, but are maybe a little older than that particular Gen Z or TikTok demographic. Um, And I'd say this song and the nostalgic aspect of it works well also with the upcoming loaded Greatest Hits album, right? Um, Greatest Hits albums, in my opinion, um, should be more so called retrospectives, you know, or something like that. Because with a band like Bush, that's so prolific, that has so many songs. I mean, damn, like, how do you choose? You know, how do you narrow it down? Obviously, you do include the biggest hits, you know, things that charted and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of fan favorites out there that maybe weren't chart toppers or radio hits, or even singles, but they have 
a lot of love and loyalty behind them. Um, at any rate, with greatest hits albums comes that feeling of nostalgia, you know, reflection and nostalgia. Um, so a song that's kind of almost a retrospective on one's life about reflecting back on one's life and legacy and still being open to continuing to get to know oneself, create new adventures. That seems like a really good fit for a band like Bush who has achieved so much, but who I hope isn't done yet, you know, although I would understand. Um, in verse two, the song, according to Google, right? When I look at the lyrics, um, it says that verse two says, I dream of Ezra, I dream of gold. Never put your life on hold. Better swim against the tide than drown yourself in a sea of lies. So I'll be honest. When I first heard this, I thought it said, I dream of rivers. I dream of gold. Then I thought it said, I dream of treasure. I dream of gold. But two different lyrics websites that I looked up says Ezra. So um, Ezra, the name Ezra, the meaning is based off of a scribe. So the writer slash former English major in me loves that. Um, I don't have kids, but I do have a fascination with names and nomenclature. I keep a list of names in my phone randomly, not for baby names or future kid names, like I said, but for future pet names, for names of future characters in my books. Um, and then, you know, I just wanted to have names on hand just in case. And Ezra has always been one of the boy names, the guy names, you know, that I loved. Um you know, the meaning of Ezra can, can be scribe, like I said, or help. Scribe typically means like writer or poet. Help. We all know what help means. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful name, right? Um, side note, I just now realized that Ezra in Pretty Little Liars was an English teacher and an author. So now I wonder if choosing a name based on a scribe was intentional. Um, but anyway, if this lyric is saying Ezra, maybe when he says Ezra, he does mean scribe or writer. And so that means he's dreaming about words, um, dreaming about lyrics, that kind of thing, or he's dreaming like, you know, in a way that's alone with his thoughts, almost like his own diary or journal or something like that. Or if you take the meaning of Ezra, that means help. Maybe it means kind of dreams of help of a hero of answers or something to that effect, you know? It could also be another like literary nod or shout out or, um, you know, paying homage to another literary figure. Um, and I say that because there's definitely some poets and or authors named Ezra. One who comes to mind is Ezra Pound. Um, he's like an interesting and influential poet, um, super worldly, intelligent, interesting. He wrote an epic. I'm not going to pretend I've read all of it. I certainly haven't, but I've, I've seen snippets. And at any rate, uh, I think if I'm remembering correctly, um, and I probably should have Googled this better before I started, but I think he was silent as repound, um, and by choice, right? I don't really know the whole story or how long this was or why. There's lots of theories there. Um, so this could be sort of a sneaky way for Gavin to say he dreams of silence, that silence is golden. And the reason I say that is if we look at the word Ezra um, and relate it to this guy who was silent, and then it says, I dream of gold. Well, maybe that means I dream of silence. I dream of gold. And hey, I wouldn't blame him. Um, I feel like 
you know, people that are on stage every night and it's loud and it's busy, like it's loud, you know, and, and not just that, but I think sometimes when you come down from that, you're alone with your thoughts and the thoughts in your head can get very loud. And I know for a lot of us, myself included, our own thoughts sometimes are what keep us awake at night. Our own thoughts inside our heads are, are loud and sometimes we just want to quiet it down, right? Um, so I think of it like that as well. Um, I, like, oh, I wish, you know, my thoughts would just be silent for a minute and let me have some peace, you know? Um, and also I imagine that someone, um, you know, with this type of career trajectory that Gavin has and has had, it would be hard to like give up that lifestyle, the stage, the craft, the women, um, the fame, the money, the performing, the always being on the go, the traveling. It has to be so fun, but there also has to be a part of you that's like exhausted by it, right? Um, and that does one day consider what's next, you know? So maybe that's the silence. If, if it is silence, maybe that's the silence that's being dreamt of. Maybe not immediately, but eventually, right? So something else I guess you could look at if you're interpreting the line, I dream of Ezra, is the biblical connotation. And you know that like, I always look for kind of biblical themes and allegories and things of that nature, even though I have a lot of mixed feelings surrounding the church and religion and all of that. But um, I did decide when I was looking at this particular line that I was going to do a quick Google search to see how Ezra appears in the Bible. And, um, you know, what I saw was that the book of Ezra kind of talks about um, the idea of rebuilding and um, trying to restore the temple and also this need for like a spiritual restoration or um, spiritual reform or something like that. And so um, if you want to really dive deep into that segment um, or that line rather, um, you know, this book of Ezra, which I'm not going to pretend I'm like super familiar with, but it also talks about return from exile. Um, and again, this idea of restoring a ruined temple. So um, there's a lot of ways you could look at that. If you look at the body as a temple, um, it could be about restoring your body, um, keeping your body in shape, restoring your body or your mind or anything really to its former glory, that kind of thing. Um, you could look at it like restoring the planet, uh, Earth, you know, the environment back to its former glory and not you know, ruining it further, um, the ruins could represent any type of failure or failed relationship or missed opportunities or, or things like that that have crumbled um, that you want to restore or revisit or reform in some way. Um, and then if you want to look at the idea of like spiritual reformation or um, a struggle to kind of restore faith. Uh, that's certainly, you know, something that could be explored here as well. Um, and so obviously I don't know when he says, I dream of Ezra, if he is talking about these types of themes in the book of Ezra, you know, in the, the Bible or the, the Torah. Um, 
I don't know if he's talking about Ezra Pound or anything relating to Ezra Pound. Um, I don't know if he's just talking about the name Ezra that can mean help or scribe. Um, that's what's cool, again, is it's open for interpretation. And, um, you know, I, I took a listen again, because like I said, I originally thought he said treasure or river. Um, and then later I thought maybe he said I dream of better. But uh, again, I, I double checked a couple of lyric sites and it says Ezra. So um, that's interesting because it's there's a lot of layers there that we could explore. Um, just thinking about the line, I dream of Ezra. And that's the kind of thing that's so interesting to me that keeps me really hooked on Bush. And again, like every episode I say, this is all my interpretation. It might be right. It might be wrong. I might change my mind about it in five minutes or an hour or a week. Um, so this could be a total misread or overthinking or an overreach, but just a thought, you know, it's interesting. And sorry if you hear like weird noise in the background, that's my pug. <laughs> um, so she's apparently wanting to be make a guest appearance on this episode. Um, usually it's my bird. Today it's one of my dogs hanging out. Um, but yeah, so I like the part that says, never put your life on hold, better swim against the tide than drown yourself in a sea of lies. I have put my life on hold many times for many reasons and changed my trajectory of life many times for many reasons. Um, and the times I've put my life on hold, the spaces within that are where my few regrets live. You know, I wish I'd gotten this advice when I was younger to not put your life on hold and it's better to swim against the tide than drown yourself in a sea of lies. Um, and I wish I'd just come to that realization in my teens or 20s to be yourself. It's okay to go against the tide. Don't put your life or your dreams on hold for anything or anyone. Um, it's a shorter journey than it looks, and that's if you're lucky, right? Um, so this line really spoke to me. I do sometimes feel like I'm drowning in a sea of lies. I mean, I'm not a liar, and I don't lie. But uh, when I am doing or pursuing things that feel inauthentic or misaligned, from who I am in my heart and soul that do not feel aligned with my true nature, my true purpose, my true passion, that it, it feels like it's not what I'm meant to be doing or where, whatever the case may be. Like in those moments, it feels like I'm wearing a mask, right? Or living someone else's life. It's, it's interesting, you know? And so it does in those moments feel like I'm swimming in a sea of lies in a way. And honestly, it probably would be easier to swim against the tide, right? And against the current than to be drowning uh, some days, you know, drowning in the regret of lost potential or questioning oneself or missed opportunities, um, letting other voices steer me in the wrong direction or enable me to let myself down, you know? Um, so today was actually the... Um, well, yesterday actually was the uh, six year anniversary of my grandmother's passing. And I loved my, my grandparents dearly. Um, I visited the cemetery and um, when I go talk out loud to her and my grandfather, I called them Nana and Bups, by the way. Uh, so when I go there, I, I speak to them. I speak out loud. And at any rate, I literally used that word when I was talking to them as I relayed to them some of the emotions I'm currently contending with, I used that word drowning, right? I said I was drowning. Uh, so yeah, this line hit home for sure. 
The whole song did. Like I said, the whole song did. Very serendipitous timing. And even though I cried, it made me cry. Um, it also feels inspiring in a way. It feels like an anthem of some sort, you know? And I think a lot of people are going to relate to this song and the lyrics. And even if you don't, the music, the beat, you know, it's just great. So even if the lyrics don't speak to you, the song is good overall, regardless. So I mentioned in my live earlier that I like the use of the words galore in this song. It feels like unexpected in a way and felt like punctuation to me. It's hard to articulate why I feel that way, but I do discuss that a little bit more in my video. Um, I just, I like the word galore because it wasn't necessary and because it was unexpected, it did feel like punctuation. It made you kind of stop and take note um, of what was being said because you know what I mean? Like it could have stopped. That line could have stopped. I wish I knew myself more. You know, it didn't have to say galore. And the fact that it did grabs your attention, right? Um, and from a musical perspective, I do like the, like just sonically speaking, right? Taking the lyrics out of it. I like the juxtaposition at the beginning. I don't know if that's the word, but uh, the opening, right? It's more like electronic. Um, it's softer. Uh, I, I, I don't know, like the onset of the song is more like synthy, like a synth pop. Um, it's real vibey, you know, it's melodic, like a sweet, subtle melody, almost a little pop feel. And then boom, the heavy guitar drums, it drops in, it, it's heavier, it goes harder. Um, I like that sort of yin yang, that dichotomy of hard and soft, heavy and light, um, more quiet and then louder just that contrast, right? I like the contrast. That's my jam. It's hopping and bopping. <laughs> the other thing I really love about this song, and I can't quite explain why, is the vocal styling of the way he sings I in the chorus. It's like a little glide or a slide. Um, I don't know what it's technically called. I'm certainly not a vocalist, but it's like, I wish I knew myself better. I wish I knew myself more galore. I like the way I is being sung. Um, maybe I'm being nitpicky or weird, or I don't know, my ears may be picking up something that's like not a big deal or unusual in any way. Um, I just like the slidey glidey way that he sings the word I there. Um, and I realize I is just one word, one letter. Um, I just like the vocal styling um, in that part. Um, yeah, so this was a super long episode. I apparently had a lot to say. Uh, I like this song a lot. And honestly, my brain like totally needed a break for something fun and interesting like this this week. Um, it has been a week, <laughs> um, work life, all of it. Um, I've also been toying around with my new guitar, meaning I took like one lesson. <laughs> I've spent less than an hour playing it and semi learned two riffs that probably a five-year-old could master seven nation army and under pressure but i have to pace myself and give myself some patience and grace because guitar is like really hard when you have a partial thumb joint replacement and other joint problems in your hand and wrist and and fingers so yeah you know it, one day at a time just like everything in life um Anyway, thanks everyone for listening and maybe I'll see some of you at the New York City or Pittsburgh shows. Congrats Bush on a great single. I cannot wait for the greatest hits album. Uh, have a good one everyone and stay wild my friends.
We'll see you next time.